Hi, this is Carolyn Nee Lachlan, your hostess with the mostest of From Paper to People podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 200. 200 is a lot of episodes. Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, welcome to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. This week, we've hit a milestone around here. It's our 200th episode, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover. But before we get started, we always kick things off by talking about what pop culture we've taken in since our last show, and this week's no different. So Derek, what is new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Well, it is uh, it is the first week of December and Christmas is not very far away. Mm-hmm. So that means it's time to start watching Christmas movies. Oh, yes. And we've already done a few episodes about our favorite Christmas movies and our favorite holiday traditions. So we don't have to retread on that. We've done that many times before. But this year, we have, as we have every year, a couple of new Christmas movie offerings. So my wife and I and a few friends were able to take in a recent new release, a new Christmas movie. Uh, we got it here in Canada on Crave Network. It's called 8-Bit Christmas. Have you heard of it at all? No. <laughs> okay, so I'll read you the little blurb. In 1980s Chicago, a 10-year-old okay. sets out on a quest to get the Christmas gift of his generation, the latest and greatest video game system, which happens to be the Nintendo Entertainment System, the very first Nintendo. And this one stars Neil Patrick Harris as the dad of a young kid today who is then retelling the story of his childhood to his daughter about how things were in the late 80s and how he was obsessed about getting a Nintendo Entertainment System for Christmas. And it was fantastic. It was everything you want from a Christmas movie. I I read a review where they said in the 80s, a Christmas story came out that was nostalgic for like the fifties and sixties. This is a a movie where in the 2000, uh, in the 2020s, we have a movie that's nostalgic about the eighties and it's sort of that same parallel. And that is a very, very, very good analogy of this. It was great. It's everything you want. The performances were good from the little kids and just as someone who grew up in the eighties, I could totally relate to these kids wanting this thing there's uh, there's a lot of great 80s music referenced. There's a lot of 80s just style and pop culture referenced in the flashbacks. And it's very it's it's contradicted and juxtaposed against the kids of today in a very humorous way. It was really good. I would strongly suggest if you have this, I believe in the States, it was on HBO Max. We got it here in Canada on Crave. Check it out. 8-Bit Christmas starring Neil Patrick Harris. I think you'll enjoy it. It's fun for the whole family. Check it out. Nice. I I like the fact that you mentioned uh, something that is nostalgic for the 80s. 
because that's me. And it's also being nostalgic for the 80s when it comes to video games, because I did something this week that was very nostalgic for the 80s in regard to video games. So I found a place in town, in the town that I live in, this the city here. It's called the Last Level Lounge. So I, the concept of this place, it's like a bar, but it's full of retro video games but like the arcade games you know like the stand-up actual arcade games that you would sure. play back in the 80s and so it's got all these in there and then but what it is is because technology has improved so much since then you can put more than one game in each console so you can push the button and like move over and like do like different games so you can play pac-man or like oh, i play donkey kong whatever and so i came across two games that were that were there that had me just feeling like I was a kid again and I wanted to share them. So one of them you've probably heard of and one you likely have never heard of. So the one you know, I think, it's called Track and Field. I think it was also yep. called Hyper Olympics back in the yep. day. Where you press the two buttons to make the guy run? Yeah, the two buttons and you're, like, oh, you're side by side, you run real fast game. and then yep. you do like hurdles and javelin throw and high jump. And shot long put. Jump. Yeah, yep. the shot put and all that. Yep. Man, did it oh, ever yeah. take me back. Oh, my. And the thing is, my 12-year-old son, he liked it too. So me and him just sat there and played for hours. So this is the kind of bar where your kids can come in and then at eight o'clock, gotta go. Kids gotta be out, right? Because, you know, then it's after hours or like drinking and stuff like that, I guess. Sure. But, uh, so we were getting ready to leave. It's like, I don't know, quarter to eight, right? And then I found a game. So there was, it was there was a Pac-Man game, but the button, when you hit it, it wasn't quite working. And then I was farting around with it. And then I realized, oh, there's a whole bunch of other games in here that I didn't realize. And there was, oh my God, there was a game in this unit that I used to play for hours and hours and hours at my local arcade back in the 80s. But it's one that I had totally forgotten about. It's called Xevious. Have you ever heard of it? Xevious, like with no. an X. X-E-V-I-O-U-S. It's basically this rocket ship. And you go along over the ground and it shoots at these UFOs, these kind of spinning things. And then you also drop bombs on these missile silos and these pyramids. Man, oh man, that I used to love that game. And as I was playing it, it all came back to me. I remembered there were these hidden silos underground and to get them, you had to bomb the ground in certain places and then they would pop up. My wife li literally had to drag me out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh. looking it up online now. It does not look familiar to me at all. Oh my gosh, it just took me back. I totally forgot about that game. So I decided that I'm going to go back this weekend, but my wife doesn't know, so don't tell her. <laughs> Are you going to bring your kids? Or are you just going by yourself? I think I'm going to go by myself. <laughs> nice. No, here here in Toronto, there's a couple of arcades like that. Uh, there's one called Tilt and there's another one called Zen 80. And it's the same idea. You pay five bucks to get in the door and they have all these old console games. It's and you don't have to, yeah. you don't have to put any money in no. them. You pay to yeah. walk in the door, but they have a cafeteria. So oh, yeah. they kind of hope you're going to buy like some fries or a hot dog or a beer because they're licensed. You can drink. Mm -hmm. That's what and, I mean. um, and yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's, we've been a few times here. Uh, they've during the COVID they've obviously shut down, but they've reopened recently and I'm actually looking forward to going back again. And yeah, just like you, when I went back, I mean, I wasn't a big video game, video game guy in the eighties, no, but you weren't. Since then, I've gone back and sort of learned to love some of those old games. And the ones where we go have a lot of old pinball machines. And not that I am very good at pinball, but I find that that's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are or what area you grew up. Pinball is pinball. Whether it's 
the Simpsons pinball or a Star Wars pinball or NHL Bobby Orr pinball or something brand new pinball, pinball's pinball. It doesn't matter. And yeah, it's a t- for your five bucks. Your the entertainment value, the dollars is totally worth it. So if you've got a local arcade like this in your town, I strongly encourage you to check it out and support them. And when you're there, buy some stuff from their cafeteria because that's where they're making money. Yeah, and that's what I, I certainly did have a drink when I was playing the games. But God, it was so much fun. So I really enjoyed it. Um, another thing that I really enjoy. Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, Derek, got one for you. How do you, because, you know, we're Canadian and you mentioned Christmas is coming. So we're getting a lot of snow on the ground right now. So I thought it'd be appropriate to have, you know, a dad joke that involves snow in some way. All right. How do you find Will Smith in the snow? Um, I don't know. You look for the fresh prince. That's terrible. What do you mean? You don't like last week's joke was so good. How do you how do you go from an A to an F in one week? You suck. Yeah, but I think it wasn't last week's really dirty too. Well, the dirty ones are the funniest ones. Well, they usually are. Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. <laughs> if there's a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's Smokey and the band oh. shirt for you. <laughs> so, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. Boof from Teen Wolf. Hot as a pistol. Wow. I know. That's pretty amazing. I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons nerd. It's a shock that you never got more girls in high school. <laughs> Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. I don't know. That's a lot to unpack, Chris. I'm a second here. <laughs> All right, my friend, before we get into our 200th episode, we have a little bit of business to attend to from our previous show. So, Derek, last time out, we held our third pop culture fantasy draft. This time it was 1985 that we did, and we had to draft a team from. And we each draft three movies, three TV shows, three songs, and a personal pick. And all from the year 1985. And then we we send the list off to our panel of esteemed judges that we love so much. And they vote on the results. And the results are in. Now, I just want to give a little context here. Previously, we held a pop culture fantasy draft for 1984. And I won that one by a margin of six to one. And then we expanded the court to nine judges for our second draft. And that one was 1981 that we were drafting that year. And I took that draft by a score of eight to one. So any speculation, Derek, before I get into it on how 1985 went? Yeah, I I have learned after three drafts Mm -hmm. that the, the number one movie of the year is the most important pick. And you have had that two years in a row. The last two, you've had the number one pick and you picked the movie. The first time we did the draft, I grossly misjudged the value of TV shows and mm. passed on the movie with my number one pick and went to TV show and regretted it after I saw the outcome. So my speculation is it's going to be another overwhelming win for Chris, despite some very, very positive compliments through social media to me where people said, I loved your picks. However, you didn't have the number one movie, so I had to vote for the other guy. So I'm guessing it's another very, very lopsided victory for you. And that's just the way these things work. How? What was the outcome, Chris? Lay it oh, on me. Oh, I got to tell you, you had your best showing yet, my friend. 
But was it enough to take home the Funko Fonzie trophy? That really is the question. No, I, I didn't have Back to the Future. I, I know I didn't win. Oh, I have I no know. doubt about that. You don't know. All right. I know. Here goes. The winner is... Chris. <laughs> oh, yes. Funko Fonzie stays here. But the final tally was seven to three. Now, I know what you're that's, thinking. That's not too bad. Seven and three does not equal nine, right? Equals 10. So what happened was we actually had one of the judges declare a tie. I don't know if that's really allowed or not, but I guess we'll just go with it. So our producer, Sloth, awarded you and I each one vote from that judge. So that's where the seven to three comes from. So, so well, well done. I mean... Yeah, well either way, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have swayed it one way or the other. If it had come down to a tie, that might have been a little bit more of it. But yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. And and like I said, I got some very positive comments from some people on social media where they said, you know, we think your movie picks or your we think your music picks are very strong. And if it was just on music, we think you would have got it this year. And your movie picks were good, but you don't have Back to the Future. I had was one person say straight up, if you had Back to the Future, I would have won. I would have given it to you but I can't award my vote to someone who doesn't have Back to the Future on their list. I don't care how strong the other eight picks are mm-hmm. or not. And that, I mean, again, I, I, that's just the way it is with these drafts. I understand that now. So if I get the first pick next time, number one movie, that's my pick. I mean, I think, I think we've gotten to a point where that's, that's can very much be the decision maker, but yeah. it is what it is. Congratulations. Three in a row for you. Yeah. I but like them. I say, it was, it was your best showing yet. So, and, and I'm sure the next fantasy draft will, will be the one where you finally take home the crown. But, but in the meantime, the Funko Fonzie trophy stays here on my desk. So that's really great. So anyway, on to our 200th episode. So Derek, hard to believe, but you joined the podcast full time officially on episode 88 Back in December of 2018, um, we had been nominated for a podcast award the year before, and then you came on board, and we were nominated for two more podcast awards with you on on board. So, you know, it was just like a seamless transition. Now, I, sh- I should mention that I did reach out and, and invited Yancey to come on the show with us tonight, um, you know, and celebrate our 200th episode and all that, but he wasn't available, so... That's, that's what he told me anyway. He's probably just embarrassed to be still associated with me in any way. So, and who could blame him really for that? But uh, anyway, so what do you say we we go through a couple things on our 200th episode here? And we do a little bit of a look back and we do things like that. One of the things that I wanted to mention was if you could go back and do anything over, not that I suggest that we do that, you know, because I mean, it's 200 episodes of of, of perfection right <laughs> so but if you could go back and do anything different is there anything that you'd go back and, and do differently do you have anything like that like if you could so yeah so i have a couple there was a couple of shows i mean obviously you guys did 80 some odd episodes yeah. without me before i joined right. the show i mean i was a guest guest panelist on a few shows before yeah. i joined full-time but there you guys you and yancy did a lot of excellent topics before I joined. And I think that you guys did a great job. And and one of the things I loved about the original concept of the show is because Yancey is so much younger than you, you really brought two very different perspectives to the show, which made for some excellent podcasting when Yancey was there. And I, I, I fully admit that 
I don't necessarily think that you and I have drastically different opinions on certain things the way you and Yancey did. And I, I, I mean, I, I, there's nothing we can do about that. But given our age and when we grew up, there are certain things that you and I are just going to agree on more than, say, you and Yancey would. But there were some episodes you did that I didn't get to participate in that I wish I could have because I think I could have brought uh, a different perspective to them. So I've got a couple that I want to just touch on. Sure. So one of the episodes you guys did was the most rewatchable movies of all time. Oh, yes. Yes. So uh, full disclosure, I didn't have time to go back and listen to all the old podcasts. Oh, who does? But, <laughs> but there are a handful of movies that I'm fairly certain you didn't reference during that show that I just want to touch on. Again, okay. I don't want to dwell on it, but I'm just going to run down a list. Now, I know you normally do a top five list and I have more than five on my list. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to run down them real quick. So rewatchable from from my where I'm sitting, the movies I have rewatched the most in my lifetime that I would recommend to people who are saying, what's a great movie I've never seen before, although everyone's seen all, all these movies. So my number one would have to be Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. I would classify those as like I watch them back to back, which I think one of you probably did. Also, Shawshank Redemption, one of the most rewatchable movies ever. Raiders of the Lost Ark, we have talked about and you have talked about many times. We don't have to retread that. That was on my Another list. one. But then we start getting into some of the movies that maybe you guys didn't talk about. One of the more recent picks is The Martian with Matt Damon. Oh, God. This to me has become one of my most rewatchable movies, especially of the last 10 years. I've probably seen it 25 times or more. I love it. And if it's on TV or I catch it on cable, doesn't matter where it is in the movie. I keep watching it to the end. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think when Matt Damon passes and they do his obituary, they're going to talk about Goodwill Hunting. And the Martian. I think those are the two that are gonna they're gonna be his legacy. And I think this is a movie Who that, is that over Matt, Matt Damon. Oh, okay, just check. There we go. Yeah. So the Martian, I think, Thanks has to be on a list of rewatchables. Appreciate it. Yeah. Pulp Fiction is a nearly perfect mm -hmm. movie. There's yeah. a few things that haven't aged quite so well, especially the scenes where where uh, Quentin Tarantino as Jimmy has some dialogue. He uses some racial slurs that definitely didn't age well. But aside from that, I think that movie is fantastic. Back to the Future, we've talked about many times, is a rewatchable. And Ferris yes. Bueller's Day Off. Mm -hmm. I've got. I've had to have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off 30 times or more. If it came on TV right now, I would stop doing this podcast to watch it. So those are a bunch of rewatchable movies that if I was on your episode, I would have had to talk about. Oh, the Martian, I, I just got to jump in. So I was forced to watch The Martian. I don't know if it was you or Yancey. No, it was Yancey. Was I didn't Yancey? get to participate in that one. And and I just, yeah. I You couldn't get me to watch that movie again with a wheelbarrow, a roll of duct tape, and an ether rag. Like, yeah, I just, you're I, just, I, you're I just wrong. I can't believe it is so good. I don't oh. understand how you don't love it. it I, I love dumb. everything about the Martian from the Ridley Scott direction to the Matt Damon performance, the special effects, the character analysis, the supporting cast. This movie is a plus quality start to finish. I love it. It's one of my absolute all time favorites makes my top five of all time movie list. Derek, can you guess what my number one most rewatchable movie of all time was from that episode? Probably Take, Jaws. No. Take Star Wars. No. Raiders of the Lost Ark. No. It's me. Think of me. What movie? Those are your I? three: Jaws, Raiders, and they're my Star three Wars. favorite. They're my three favorite films of all time. But what the, the oh, most it's got to be Meatballs. Meatballs Sorry. is correct. That is correct. Yes. Well done. Yes, it's Meatballs. Um, so I, I had, I have a couple of do-overs that I want to talk about. So one, I want to go back to episode forty-seven: Childhood Celebrity Crushes. So we were still kind of finding our legs back then, you know, but, but I got to say, 
I really screwed up when I did that episode. Uh, we did our top five celebrity crushes. And I totally forgot one. She would have been number two on my list. I mean, Susan Ursity will never be dethroned. Boof from Team Wolf will always be number one. But the one I totally forgot about, and it just, this only occurred to me last week because I saw that European Vacation was on TV and I started watching it. And I had totally forgot that Moon Unit Zappa was in that movie. And I mean, I absolutely, completely, totally crushed on her. And I, I don't think, I can't be the only one that did. I mean, I know, like, I know she's got this weird dame and, and her dad is like one of the weirdest guys that's ever lived. Um, but to me, she was the epitome of the girl next door in this movie. She's like so normal and down to earth and just amazingly cute. And oh man, I crushed on her so hard. And like I say, I, I totally forgot how much of a crush I had on her when I was a teenager, but it all came back to me just, just like last week when I was watching European Vacation. So if I could get a do-over, I would be adding Moon Unit Zappa to my list of Gen X celebrity crushes. So maybe we should go back and revisit some of these original topics that we had back in like season one now that, you know, now that you're on the, the show now. What do you think? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Honestly, so you had mentioned this to me and I was like, I don't even know who this is. So I just looked her up. I'm like, I, I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. If you're like, give me a million dollars, pick her out of this lineup of five women, not a chance. She has no place on my radar whatsoever. But the thing I, is, it, it, Derek, the thing is, don't just look at a still picture of her. You have to watch the film. When you watch the film and you see her and just, there's something about her. There's The thing is, it, it's the intangible qualities, right? When, when you watch her in European vacation, unless it's just me, but there, I can't be the only one. Please, somebody email me, you know, chris at popgojaworld.com. Just email me and tell me I'm not the only one. But Moon Unit Zappa in European Vacation, man, I had a major, major crush on that girl. So I... Well, so I've, I've got a couple other ones that I want sure, to jump yeah, on Sure, yeah, what quick. else you got? And then so, I've got one, one I'll end with. So, okay, yeah. so I got two here. I'll do them real Go, quick. The me, first one was, you guys did a show on One Hit Wonders. And what I would like us to potentially do down the road, and I know this is going to be a, a big stretch for you, is one hit wonders from the 1990s. Okay. Because I could do for that, me, yeah. I was at university from 93 to 97. And there was, to me, that was a very influential musical time. I mean, both for me and just in general. And I think there is a lot of rich songs to choose from that would be a strong topic and a lot of discussion so that's something i think we should look at down the road is you guys did one hit wonders just sort of blanket one hit wonders but i think for your picks anyway they tended to be a lot of 80s i think if you and i go back and specifically say the 90s i think that's a good show yeah. the other one that i wanted to just touch on was you guys did best movie soundtracks now for me mm -hmm. again I can remember growing up, there was a lot of great movie soundtracks and you guys covered some fantastic ones in your show, but a few that I think were, were not, again, this is mostly 90 stuff. Cause I don't think that like you tend to focus on the eighties and Yancey tend to focus on the 20, 2000s, 2010s. I think the nineties were unfortunately underrepresented on that list. So uh, the few that would have made my list were the Batman soundtrack from 1989, which is done by Prince, I think is a fantastic and very underrated soundtrack. Prince, I mean, Prince is Prince. I mean, anything by Prince is great, but I think you go back and listen to that. It it was crazy. It was fantastic. Uh, again, from the mid-90s, the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, although the movie was not great, 
I, I mean, some people like it. Uh, and it was a, a lot of performers sort of just finding their legs. The soundtrack was phenomenal. Um, and then there was three soundtracks from the 90s that all came out around the same time that I sort of blur together. And that was Singles, Reality Bites, and Threesome. All had soundtracks that came out like within a couple of months of each other. And they were huge staples in the 90s. Although they all featured some songs from the 80s, they did have songs from the 90s in them. But my absolute number one best movie soundtrack ever, no question, you'll never get me off of this one, is The Crow, the movie featuring Brandon Lee. The Crow soundtrack has to be one of the all-time absolute best movie soundtracks ever. And I think that The Crow is a movie we need to revisit in the not-too-distant future for our for our podcast. So that was a show that I really wish I had been able to be a part of because I would have thrown all of those things at you. Anyway, that's it for shows that you've done that I wish I had been a part of. Okay, I actually have another do-over. And I want to preface this by saying that I, I love Yancey. Everyone knows that. But I, I do honestly wish that we'd brought you into the podcast earlier than when we did. So we originally had you come on as a guest. As, as you mentioned, do you actually remember the first time that you made an appearance on the show, Derek? Do you remember what the show was? Uh, if I had to guess, I would say it was the Blade Runner movie review. It was actually before that. It was actually oh, on episode was it 26. Re- remakes and yes. do-overs? Remakes, reboots, and reimaginings. It, that took nice. place on January the 28th of 2017. Nice. And then you continued to come on as a regular guest on episodes like Blade Runner, like you mentioned. And then Yancey kind of got busy with life. And, you know, you came on for a number of shows. And then on episode 88, you know, Yancey said goodbye for good. So you took over permanently. But with all that, if I could have one do-over on the podcast, my friend, it would be to have you join us from the very first show. So I want to say that. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. So we made it to episode 200. We're not the only you know, show in the world that's made it to 200 episodes, but 200 seems to be like a milestone, you know, that that's kind of set out there. So I want to talk about a couple of episodes, mostly TV shows here, you know, rather than podcasts, obviously, but TV shows that made it to 200 episodes, you know? Yeah, I got a, a few I want to talk about. Yeah, well. there's, a, there's a few. Things. One that really stands out to me is... One that I, ne- I never really watched. I don't, I don't even think I've ever seen an episode, but it really jumped out to me. And it's My Three Sons. And the only reason I want to mention this, it ran from 1960 to 1972. The reason I think it's important, it, it ran for 380 episodes. Wow. But it ran for almost 200 in black and white and 200 in color. That's wow. Quite, that's quite an accomplishment. 184 episodes in black and white and 196 in color. That's that's quite an accomplishment, I think. So I just wow. I wanted. That's to impressive. That. Yeah. So um, do you have some other uh, episodes or TV yeah, shows so, that made it to yeah. 200 episodes? It's, it's it's an accomplishment. It's a big. Thing. Oh, so and I should it, mention it, too. It's usually the sort of the trigger for syndication, right? Then oh, is it 200? I thought it was 100 for syndication. Oh, no. is it 100? I always thought it was 200, but. 200 oh, and you get to syndication. So then you get so, syndicated. In preparation for the podcast, you and I talked about this like, hey, what are some some things that hit 200? So I looked over the list of shows that had hit 200 or more, and I was shocked at the ridiculous number of shows that have hit 200 or more. Now, in all fairness, a lot of them were things like Good Morning America and The Tonight yeah, Show and Wheel scripted, of Fortune. Not scripted. Yeah. They don't really and these count. are like yeah. syndication shows that run five days a week, every week, the entire year. So yeah. I'm like, we, we got to just dismiss those out of hand I because so they too. had yeah. thousands of episodes. 
that's not to belittle or diminish their accomplishment, but that's a category all to itself. I mean, yeah. I'm looking for, in the most part, scripted shows, dramas, yeah. sitcoms that ran, let's say, anywhere from 15 to 20 episodes a season that lasted, in yeah. most cases, 8 to 15 seasons minimum to sort of hit this number. So there's a lot that you would just expect. Like Law & Order ran like 20 seasons. And South Park has run like 20 seasons. The Simpsons, Family Guy. Like some of these shows have run so long that – it's nothing to bat an eye and go, well, not only have they hit 200, they've hit 300, 400, 500. So I look for shows that hit 200 but didn't necessarily get to 300. That was sort of what I was looking at. And there's a couple of shows that I just wanted to touch on real quick. So the first one is Married with Children. It ran from 1987 to 1997 on the Fox network. It ran 11 seasons. It ran 259 episodes, which shocked me to find. When I heard it was that many, I couldn't believe it. Now, I watched the show when it was on the air, in it, like when new episodes were coming out. From, from when it started to when it finished, I was, well, maybe not the last couple of seasons because I was at school, but the, I watched it all religiously. And in all fairness, the last couple of seasons were not very strong. And as no. you find many sitcoms, especially when it's a family unit and the kids get older and the kids like go to college or they move away, the 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 desire from the networks is we got to bring more kids into the show to keep that family dynamic. And unfortunately, Married Children was the same way. They're like, oh, it's Cousin Seven comes onto the show. And you're like, what the hell is this? And I feel it really hurt the show. But anyway, I'm, I wasn't a decision maker. It is what it is. But. Married with Children, we talked about on a few episodes uh, previous to this one. It was a groundbreaking show. It showed a blue-collar family that had no money. The family unit was not a happy family unit. It, it aired opposite the Cosby show where it was like, here's the Cosbys. And in the 80s, the Cosbys were an affluent family who had this great family dynamic with a mom and dad who supported the children and provided family advice. And every week you learned a lesson. Married with Children was the complete opposite of that. It was... Here's this family with two kids. Everybody hates each other. They got no money. They're constantly bitching and moaning and complaining about how bad their life is and how much they hate each other. And it was filled with sarcasm and backhanded, you know, insults and compliments. And it was unlike anything else on TV at the time. And it, it was groundbreaking at the time. And every, well, I mean, three of the four main casts have gone on to do great things. I mean, Ed O'Neill has since gone on to do Modern Family, which has had to run at least a decade. Um, uh, Katie Seagal has gone on to do a lot of things. She was on Ain't Simple Rules. She was on um, Sons of Anarchy. She did voice work on Futurama. Like she has not. Oh, yeah. She was in Lost, find... and she was Lost. in. Um, yeah, she's done a Sons ton of Anarchy. Of yeah, yeah, she is not hurt for work. And no. Christina Applegate went on to have her own successful career as an yeah. adult. Like this show launched careers, and I, I'm talking like capital C careers for people. And it it was a great show. It ran 11 seasons. Obviously, 259 hit that 200 mark and then some. The other Unfor show, unfortunately, unfortunately, about that show, they brought Ted McGinley on it, and Ted McGinley just kills shows. Just well, no. The he, first he, couple of seasons he was on, he oh, was actually pretty good. Now, when so, he came on Happy Days, he killed that one. When he came yep, on the Love Boat, he Love killed Boat. that one. Yep. Speaking of of which, but this might surprise you, Derek, but I really, really like the Love Boat, and and that no made kidding, it, it, it made it to 250 episodes. So that was wow. one. And you mentioned so, The Simpsons. The mm -hmm. Simpsons has a record for the most episodes of a scripted TV series. 714. Wow. They're like the Babe Ruth of TV shows. He That's had exactly crazy. 714 career home runs. I'm, I'm sure that number will change for the episodes in The Simpsons by the time people listen to this. But man, oh man, that's just crazy. 714. So, so much. 
So Married with Children is yep. currently rerunning. So in Canada here, we get them on Much Music. Hey, it's a music channel that shows sitcoms. Like, whatever. It is what it is. Um, and they have been rerunning these Married with Children episodes for the better part of a couple, the last couple of years. And I've been catching some of them. And I am amazed at how good the writing is, how good the comedy is, how much some of them still hold up. I mean, some of them are atrocious, just the way, that, especially the way they treat women on these shows. But some of the episodes are gold and they, they, you know, it's worth going back and watching. So Married with Children was definitely one that I had to flag. The other one I want to flag is Smallville. This is, it ran from 2001 to 2011, 10 seasons on the CW, 217 episodes. This is the idea of what happened to Superman before he came became Superman? Let's follow the story of the young teenage boy that was Clark Kent before he was Superman, but after he discovered he had superpowers. And this one premiered in 2001, in September of 2001. This was right after 2011, uh, of uh, 9-11 rather, where, you know, obviously this atrocity happened in the U.S. and countless lives were lost. And the, the nation was looking for something positive. And like a week later, Smallville premieres. And it's a story of hope. It's a story of here's someone who's going to make a difference in the world. And it found an audience immediately. And the, the creators fully admit that the 9-11 atrocities uh, affected positively how well this show did because people were just like, what can we latch onto that is a positive element? And here's this story of Superman, the character of hope, truth, justice in the American way. Although that's not, you know, they've changed that since then. But, you know, it's this, the the pinnacle of what a person can be to to precipitate change. And you have these 10, 10 seasons of this teenager who becomes a man who ultimately becomes Superman. And the show was great. And I think it doesn't get enough love and so I wanted to just flag it. It had 217 episodes. It hits our 200 criteria. Smallville is the second one I want to talk about. Nice. In, in case it hasn't become, you know, prevalent over the 200 episodes that we've done this podcast, I really like Happy Days. I know that's surprising. Well, why didn't you mention that before 200, buddy? We've never heard that from you before. <laughs> so Happy Days had 255 episodes. But the thing is, even as much as I love that show, the first two seasons were god awful. And they don't, I mean, they don't even count, especially the first season. Like, man, oh man, it was terrible. I mean, season one of Happy Days is the TV equivalent of the Star Wars prequels, as far as I'm concerned. So, like, oh, it's so bad. But I really like Happy Days. So, you know, like season three, so, so, but season four, five, seven, like, it just is so good. Um, so a couple of other ones. Cheers, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, The Facts of Life, and Alice are all shows that I absolutely love and they all made it to 200 episodes. And I thought it was interesting. There was three TV shows that got to exactly 200 episodes. And they were Coach, which ran from 89 to 97. I love that show. That, that 70s show, which ran from wow. 98 to 2006. Another strong showing. Nice. Yep. And of course, Walker, Texas Ranger. Which ran wow. from 93 to 2001. It got to 200 episodes. I think I also just want to just mention one thing before we, we move on. That there were some shows that got to 200 episodes that you could argue they never should have got there. <laughs> so one was called The Middle. I don't even know what the hell it is. 
Grey's Anatomy has been around way too long. They should have quit that years ago. And of course, the previously aforementioned Walker, Texas Ranger. I've never seen an episode. I don't care to see an episode. I can't believe it made it to 200. But anyway, there's that. Okay. Okay. I I, I got to call you out on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. I, I've watched Grey's Anatomy since the beginning. Yeah. But in all fairness, I've given up on Grey's Anatomy two or three times and then gone back to get caught up. And I've binged the whole season from start to finish like maybe three or four years ago when I sort of got back into it, despite its ups and downs. And believe me, it has had its shares of downs given how many seasons and episodes it has. It's a great show. And I think you have to acknowledge the power of that show for giving women and people of color a voice, whether they didn't previously have to the level they've had on Grey's Anatomy. So although you may not like the show, it is an important show and it deserves the accolades it gets. So I'm just going to I'm just going to put my hand up and say I love Grey's Anatomy. All right. Congratulations. Uh, for all those reasons you mentioned that those are great things for the show to do, but it doesn't change the fact that it's boring or dumb. But um, you're, you're just wrong there. But uh, that's fine. So we did a retrospective show, you and I, when we did episode 100. But I wanted to mention something since we did our 100th show. One thing that we've added around here to this little podcast of ours is <laughs> the gift of music. I don't know if we call it a gift, but sure. Derek, you're, I, you're not wrong. I can't dispute the fact that music has been added to the show. I know. I know how much you love my songs, my friend. So it all started about a year ago. <laughs> so if, if you recall, I, I put together a piece of music and I added the, it's a Dinklage drop. Remember over the music? And you were like, yes. hey, man, that sucks, man. That's not a real song. So I, I kind of took that as a challenge. And I, I wrote my very first song for the podcast. Um, and my the very first song that I ever did was called Pop Goes Your World, named after the podcast. And it goes a little something like this. Line up, just to f- my nine. 
Derek, so that that gem was the, the first first song that I did. So it certainly wasn't the last song that I did. So I wanted to ask you a question. You know, being that you love my singing and songwriting so much, do you have a favorite, or or should I say, do you have any one of my songs that you hate the least? <laughs> was there any ones you actually so, enjoyed? So- that was pretty good. It made me smile. I, I love the the reference to the neck full of gold. It actually made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that that one was pretty strong. I, I think that was definitely one of the better ones. And and the I think you had one that was twenty twenty sucks. That was pretty good too. Yeah, that one actually went a little bit like this. So anyway, so one thing that we've established from episode 100 to 200 is I'm just a goof. <laughs> it's what it is. So one of the lyrics that's, that jumped out to me yeah. hearing that again for like the 20th time, which is 20 times too many. Um, it really is. But there was a line about wearing pants and then uh-huh. it's like, I haven't worn, we'll call them grown up pants mm-hmm. in like, you know, almost two years since COVID started. I've been wearing track pants and pajama pants like the whole time. So I actually have to go back to work into the office in the not too distant future. And 
Please tell I, me you're going to wear pajamas. I know pants. this is going to anger a lot of people, but I've actually lost a substantial amount of weight since COVID started. I got like all health conscious and I've been exercising and eating better. And so I've lost a ridiculous amount of weight. So um, none of my work clothes fit me anymore. And I haven't been motivated to go out and buy new work clothes because I haven't had to go to work. And I was like, yeah, you know, you know, like any like anyone who's who's fluctuated with their weight, you're like you lose weight and you think, all right. And then all of a sudden, after a few months, you're like, oh, I put all the weight back on. So, you know, I, I didn't want to go out and buy skinny pants only to put the weight back on. But I'm at a point now where I really need work clothes be, so I can go back to the office and I have to actually go back <laughs> in a couple of weeks. And it's like the only thing I have that's going to fit me are track pants. So I, I may be looking at a little disciplinary action my first day back to the office simply because I won't comply with the dress code. But you know what? I'm okay with that. If I have to take a write-up because skinny me doesn't have work pants that fit, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> nice. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, you know, like I said, you've been here for over half the time. We've, we've done the show. Do you have any favorite topics over the, over the, the years that we've done or something that kind of stand out to you in any way? I do. So I have, I have two topics. Well, one's one is, so one of my favorite shows that I, I think we reference many times and I'm shocked it took us this long was pop culture pet peeves. And that was a we good do, episode. That, that was a good episode. Yeah. We do a lot of movie reviews and a lot of our pet peeves that we talked about show up in our movie reviews all the time, which yeah. is part of the reason they are the pet peeves that we have because they show up so often you just get frustrated. And to this day, even when I watch new movies, these pet peeves just hold up. So that was one of my favorite ones because it's just, it's so timeless. Whether it's a movie from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or the 2000s, our pet peeves continue to show up and they continue to bug me. The other one is a combination of three shows we did that are all sort of on the same theme. And that's sort of like what I'll call the what if shows. It was TV shows that are right for reboot sequels that we wish they would make and TV shows that deserved one more season. These are all ideas about shows or movies where it's like, well, what would have happened next if we got another chance to get a kick at that can? And we're not necessarily saying, we want so I mean the one the right for reboot yes we are saying we want to reboot it but it was that idea of a show that was a strong enough concept that you could redo it in a way that made sense or you took the strong concept that already existed and gave it one more episode to just flesh out and finalize those ideas maybe it was a show that got canceled unexpectedly or maybe it was a show where you're like I don't feel the ending answered all the questions um those three shows are all sort of that same theme. And I just, I love that concept and it wouldn't surprise me if we revisit something along those lines down the road, whether it's a, a, a rehash of one of those topics or something along those lines. I'm just, I'm always fascinated by this idea of what if, so those are sort of two of my absolute favorites that we did was the pop culture pet peeves. And then the idea of the, what if, whether it was a reboot or a sequel or one more season, just that what would come next? So those, those are definitely two that I, I feel were strong, that I'm happy we visited, and maybe we might revisit again. Nice. And, and that would be awesome to do that. Um, another thing that's pretty awesome about the show is that, you know, when you do 200 episodes, you know, you, you make some good friends 
along the way. And we've been lucky enough to hear from a few of our good friends who wanted to send us a few kind, you know, encouraging words, you know, for hitting this 200th episode milestone. So I've got one here I'd like, I'd like to read, Derek, if I could. Sure, go ahead. And it says, Chris, congratulations on 200 episodes. I first started listening to you back in the Dear Mr. Fantasy days. While Pop Goes Your World has not improved my fantasy baseball teams, it has improved <laughs> my knowledge of 80s movies and pop culture. So that seems like a fair trade. It's a strong compliment. I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Here's the 200 more episodes. Luke Martin. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Thanks, buddy. That's great. Friend of the show. Yeah. Luke, thank you very kindly. All right. So I have a couple of points, a couple of feedback uh, notes from some of our, our good listeners. So I'm going to read you one from our good friend, Greg Martin, who actually appeared on one of our more recent shows. Was he on the very last show or the one before that? Two shows ago. He was on Two the shows heavy ago. metal albums. Yeah. Yes. Great so, guy. I mean, again, for those of you who maybe didn't miss that episode, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen. But Greg and I have been buddies since 1993 when we were roommates at college. So here's some notes from Greg. He says, gentlemen, congrats on your 200th episode. An easy flowing, flawless back and forth chemistry between you makes you two like Mick and Keith of the podcast world. I'll let you figure out which uh, I'll let you two fight it out as to which one is which. LOL. <laughs> Thanks for allowing us aging old farts to enjoy the nostalgia that was our movies, music and TV shows growing up, but also keeping us in the loop of what is hip today so that this generation of kids uh, maybe see us as cool, cool, aging old farts. I doubt it, though. Thanks for inviting me on, and I look forward to congratulating you guys uh, with an email on your 500th episode. Keep up the stellar work, Greg Martin. So, Greg, thanks. Nice. Thank you very much. We will absolutely have you back on in a show in the not-too-distant future. You are a great guest. You've been a great buddy. Thanks for listening. Here's one. I've been listening to Chris McBrien on podcasts since 2014. I was shocked when he quit Dear Mr. Fantasy and started Pop Goes Your World with Yancey Eaton. Well, I subscribed despite my fears, and let me tell you, I've listened to all 199 episodes since. I've also enjoyed the switch from Yancey to Derek, although I think Yancey took Sloth the producer with him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I never got to go to Florida and hang out with, with in, the, in the broadcast shed. <laughs> uh, Chris McBrien is my kind of guy. Honest, enthusiastic, excited, and entertaining. We've developed a friendship over the years, and I look forward to every episode. Congratulations to both of you on 200 episodes of Pop Goes Your World. I'll be here for the next 200. And that's, and he says, thanks, Chris. That's from Kurt Kalin. Kurt's a nice. great guy. Kurt is the lead guitar player for um, 100th Meridian. So, Tragically awesome. a cover band. Yep. Friend of the show. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your comments. Oh, so nice. All right. So this one is from our very good friend, uh, Michael Govier from the Cinema 9 podcast. And if you aren't listening to the Cinema 9 podcast, you are doing yourself a disservice because they do great work over there. We had Michael Govier on as a guest host, and we will certainly have him back in the very near future. But this is from Michael. He says, hey, fellas, I didn't know about the history of your show until I came on as a guest. Once I did that, my world was altered forever. Yancer Eaton is a sweetheart and a big proponent of my work. But I had no idea he was the original host with Chris back in the day. I love checking out those old episodes. However, Derek is the ideal co-host to pair with Chris. Derek's grounded reality fits fluidly with the hijinks that Chris brings to the show. Not only have I been a guest on the show, but I am now a dedicated listener. 
I look forward to the latest with what's new in the world of pop culture, along with more stellar drum solos from Chris. Oh, Keep yes. it rolling, boys. Michael Govier, head bozo in charge. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Podcast. I tell you what, just to, as a shout out to, to Michael Govier. Hold on, give me a second. I'm going to take these cans off. Give me one sec here. I'm going over to the drum kit. I'm going to play something for us. Give me a All second. All right, Mike, you asked for it. You got it. All right. Okay, I'm at the kit. Here we go. Nice, nice. Good job, buddy. That one one was for him. All right, I got one to read for you. Uh, It says, I can't believe Pop Goes Your World has already reached 200 episodes. I'm winded from playing all those drums. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like just yesterday we were talking about our celebrity crushes, and I was shouting equally with joy and frustration at your movie reviews and favorite lists while listening to your other episodes. Pop Goes Your World is one of the most entertaining podcasts I've had the pleasure of listening to and being a guest on. You guys take me back, make me see things in a different way, and help me remember the things that I have loved. Thank you for all the joy you have brought me, and congratulations on this awesome milestone. I look forward to being around for the next 200 as well, and that's from Danielle Salinger. So nice. Nice. Thanks for the kind words. Yep. All right. I got one more before we uh, before we move on. Okay. All right. So this listener says, Chris and Derek, congratulations on hitting episode 200. Love the original songs. Love the dad jokes. Love the back yes. and forth between you two. Like the Mighty Ducks trilogy and the new Di- series on Disney, you guys get stronger by the podcast. Quack, quack, quack. While Derek can't buy a win in the 80s draft battle, it's not easy to go against the 80s aficionado that Chris proves himself to be weekly. I truly enjoy listening to you guys discuss movies and music in each episode, regardless of my knowledge on the topic that week. Derek, I hope your pursuit of getting Chris to enjoy some of the newer movies, musics, pop cultures turns out to uh, turns out because meatballs is not the gold standard anymore. What? It's dude, where's my car? Uh, Keep it up, fellas, and crack a cold one. Robbie Baseball. So Bobby, I like Robbie Baseball. Thank you very much, buddy. He's a great guy. And you know what? There you go. I'll crack nice. a cold That's one for Robbie. you. There you go. All right, I got one more to read before we move on. Go for it. To Chris and Caveman, I wish I could be there in person to commemorate episode 200 with you both. But this will have to do. It's not enough to just say congratulations on reaching such an important milestone in the podcasting world and simply leaving it at that. As someone who has joined and left podcasting more than once as a result of just never being able to commit to a consistent recording frequency that building a loyal audience demands, I know firsthand how difficult it is to make it to 20 podcasts, let alone 200 
Few content creators have the desire to stick it out past just a few handful of episodes. And an even smaller number of those that do stick it out manage to consistently produce that people actually want to listen to like you two do. I don't really think there's any reason for profanity, but anyway, uh, to consistently produce that people actually want to listen to. I said it again. <laughs> it's truly a testament to you both for always managing to be there for your audience and being a constant source of entertainment and joy for those of us that might need just a little bit more of both in our lives. Thank you both so much for your kindness, openness, and friendship, not just to me personally, but to everyone listening who always gets to feel like they're part of the back and forth and in on the joke. Thank you for making us all laugh, cry, and yell out to no one in particular when some of your takes are just so, so bad or so spot on that it feels like you're speaking for us. And most importantly, thank you for subconsciously asking that we all allow our minds to open up just a little bit more every time we hit play. What a gift to be constantly exposed to new ways of thinking that challenge what you thought you knew without ever realizing it. You guys are truly the salt of the earth. All my love, Yancey Eaton. Nice. Thank you, Yancey. I think, I think I'm going to cry. Oh, wait, there's more. P.S. Side note to Chris. The Lobster is an incredible movie, and I still can't believe you trashed it. Oh, that just ruined the whole letter right there. Oh, my God. Jeez. Awesome work. All right. What do you say now? We wrap things up by having some fun with Caveman. All right, my friend. It's over to you this week. So uh, what do you got for us? All right, Chris. So we've done 200 episodes. I, wait, wait, I should mention. Absolutely. I should, sorry, sorry I just want to jump in. Really nice letters there. Yes, absolutely. Thank nice you. Stuff. Thank you to everyone that, who that awesome. sent us in that feedback. Oh we appreciate it. And we certainly welcome any feedback from all of our listeners. You can hit us on Twitter. You can send us emails. Uh, you know, we, we certainly welcome your feedback and, yep. you know, good, bad or otherwise. I mean, you never get better if you don't get criticism and feedback. So if you've got a compliment, great. But if you've got feedback, constructive criticism, we want to hear that, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Chris. 200 200 episodes yeah go ahead 200 episodes yes the absolute only consistent thing that has appeared on every episode we've done up into and including this one is you okay yeah so we are going to put you on the hot seat and ask about the past 200 episodes because you are the only one that knows the answers because we're going to ask you about every episode so let's see how you do so, first question I've got for you. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm do, really we scared. Do, we do top five topics. We yes, do we do. Discussion topics, and we do movie reviews. How many of the 200 episodes do you think were movie reviews? Ooh. Well, we didn't really start doing them until maybe like end of season one kind of thing. We started to do movie reviews. So, I'd probably say out of 200, we probably have done... 75? That is wrong. We have done 104 movie reviews. Yeah. I was a little surprised to hear it was that many, but okay. So So, so over over half of our episodes are over half of our episodes. But I mean, now that 
I mean, our new format is more top five than Mm -hmm. movie, movie, top five. So, I mean, we've really picked it up in the last, say, 50 to 75 episodes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, 104 movies have been reviewed. Yes. How many of those movies have been nominated for Best Picture? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Um, Of those 104, not many. I would say maybe 10. You'd be under. You want to take another guess? I'll say 15. You'd still be under. The oh, answer wow, is that 17. Seven, of the oh, 104 70. movies we have reviewed have been nominated for the Best Picture Academy Award. Wow. Now, the follow-up to that, of those 17, how many have actually been Best Picture winners? And can you name two of them? Oh, my goodness. That is tough. I'm just trying to think now. Going all the way back when we did like Jaws and stuff like that. Taxi Driver, we did that was nominated, but it never won. Nominated, so, but was not. So a you're saying, so you're saying, two of the movies. First of all, how many have won Best Picture? And I'm telling you, it's at least two because I want you to name at least two of them. How many have won Best Picture? Is the first question, and then how many of those can you name? Seventeen were nominated. Okay, seventeen were nominated, and how many won? Oh my gosh. So, I honestly don't know. <laughs> That's so okay. bad. I so, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Three movies we have reviewed have won Best three. Picture. Okay, and what were they? Can you name two of those three? And I'll give uh, you a hint. Two of them were in the first 100 episodes. One of them was in the next 100 episodes. Hmm. The- I will further give you a hint. One was your pick. One was my pick. One was Yancey's pick. Now, Yancey, didn't he once nominate No Country for Old Men? Yes, he did. And that that's one went, one. oh, yes. And that one 2007, won. that's one. And so I nominated one that won Best Picture? Correct. And oh. I nominated one that won Best Picture. I remember I nominated uh, Killing Fields. It never won. It was just nominated. Did not win, so, but is among the 17. Readers of the Lost Ark should have won. Uh, also nominated, didn't win. Um, so I honestly, I cannot remember the, the, the one that I nominated that one. I have no idea. All right. So what was the it? three movies were one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, of course. That's right. Oh yes. That one. Was. And the one Especially I nominated, yeah. we did this year was the departed. Oh yeah. That one that did win best picture didn't deserve to win, but okay, that's fine. I, I agree. So yeah. the 17, again, for those of us listening who are like, well, what were they? In order of release, Jaws, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Tootsie, Killing Fields, Witness, Full Monty, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Departed, No Country for Old Men, District 9, Moneyball, The Martian, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Arrival. Those were the nice. 17. Nice. All right. What was the oldest movie we've ever reviewed? Oh, you and I, uh, you nominated, um, oh, it was uh, The Great Escape. Yes, it was. Yes. 1963. That was our oldest one. I remember when you nominated, I was like, wow, that's really old, but you wanted to do that one. So, yep, that's okay. So we've done 104 movie reviews. How many were from the 1980s? Oh, geez. Of 104, I would say probably like 60. Not quite that many. You want to take another guess? It's Uh, the under. 55. 41 were from the 80s. Yep. All right. You guys, what do you think? What do you think was the next decade that had the most movies reviewed? Oh, it would be the 2000s. No, 
It was not. It was the 2010s. Yes. Yeah, because then the 90s. So we did eight movies from 1970. Okay. Four 41 movies from 1980. All right. 18 movies from 1990s. 15 movies from the 2000s and 20 movies from the 2010s. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I've been I've been trying to represent here, buddy. Nice. Okay. So, the 1980s was the year we did the most. Yes. What single year of the 1980s have we done the most? Uh, I'll say 1984. Yes, you are yes. right. 8 from 1984. What do you think the second one was with 7? Mm, was it do I go back to 19... I'll say 1981. No. Good guess, though. So that was that was six. The seven was 1985, and we're going to do two more from 85 in the next two episodes, so that will become our wow. most reviewed year wow. in two, just two episodes. Cool. Of the 1980s, which year was the least represented with one movie? I will say... Oh, jeez. 88? 1986, one film. What was the movie from 86? Oh, I don't know. I got to check it on my list here. Hold on. Let me go back to the list. Where's my list? 1986 was Aliens. Oh, that's one you did. That's right. Yep. That was the only one from 86. Cool. Okay. Okay. So we just established that 1984 Mm -hmm. was our most reviewed year with eight. Correct. 1985 was our next with seven, and 1981 was our next with six. Any guesses as to which was our next one with five? And I'll give you a hint. It was not from the 80s. Mm, Then it would be in the 2010, so I'll say 2015. Yeah. Just a random guess. (laughs) Pulls it out of his butt. In 2015, we did uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, The Lobster, Sicario... And The Martian and Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, there you go. Nicely done. <laughs> okay. Random guess. Okay. We have reviewed at least one movie from every year between 1974 and 2002, mm-hmm. with the exception of one year oh, that was gosh. never reviewed a movie from. Mm. Any guesses as to what that one year was between from 19- 1974 and 2002? I don't think we've done anything from 1977. We have. Do you want to take a second guess? What did we do from 77, I wonder? Um, uh, we did okay, so uh, then, Smokey and the Bandit was 1977. Oh, right. Uh, 79, I'll say. Nope. 1979 was Meatballs and Alien. We're both from 79. Mm. The year we never did a movie, not one single movie from, was 1990. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I was so a little cool. surprised. Wow. Okay. We have done 40, uh, we, sorry, we have done uh, 104 movie reviews. What actor appeared in the most oh, movies wow. we've ever reviewed? And I'll I, give you a hint. You picked every one of these movies. And I will say it was Harrison Ford. He's our number two. Ooh. And I will say Bill Murray. Bill Murray was yes. number one. Bill Murray appeared in Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes, Tootsie, and Ghostbusters. Nice. Harrison Ford appeared in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Blade Runner, Witness, and Star Wars The Force Awakens yes, in 2015. Yep. There was another actor that appeared in four movies, although one of them is kind of a cheat because he only appears on a video screen and he is uncredited. 
But do you have any guesses who that might be? Jack Nicholson? No. No. I will give you a hint. Mm -hmm. The first time we saw him in a movie was in 85, and the last time we've seen him in a movie was 2015. Hmm. He appeared in one of the three movies that was nominated for Best Picture that we just talked about. Um, and from 1985, was it Michael J. Fox? It was not. No, it was Josh Brolin who appeared oh, in The Goonies, oh. No Country for Old Men, Sicario, and on the video screen in Guardians of the Galaxy. So that one was a little bit of a oh. cheat. Oh, I didn't even remember that. All right. Then we had a handful of actors who appeared in three movies. We had Eddie Murphy in three, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, and Coming to America. Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters, Trading Places, and the Blues Brothers. Our good friend, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Thank you, Sloth. Appeared, appeared in Rounders, The Departed, and The Martian. Mm-hmm. And our only female star to appear in three movies. Can you name her? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, only female to appear in three. Mm, I have no idea. Sigourney Weaver appeared in Ghostbusters, Ooh. Alien, and Aliens. And aliens, yes. Yep. Yeah, I think we need to do a little bit more work to make sure we get uh, better representation from the strong female mm-hmm. performers that are doing work today. But OK, um, the last movie question we got. Yes. Which director? There are two directors that we have reviewed four movies for. OK. Can you name one of the two directors and can you name all of the movies they directed that we reviewed? Um, I'm going to say Spielberg. Yes. And we did four Spielberg movies. Four Spielberg movies were Jaws, yes. Raiders of the Lost yes. Ark, and two newer ones. Yeah, they were newer ones that you made me watch. Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Oh, what else did we do? And our most recent movie reviewed from 2018. It is the most one, recent one we've done on our entire list. Was it Was it the one, the, the Ready Player One? Yes. Yeah, and I Good job. That. Yes. I hate it. Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay. Wow. Nice. One other director. Yep. Did four movies that we reviewed and you picked all four of them. They're from the seventies and eighties. Can you name the director? I'm going to go Can with John Landis. Yes. yes. Name the four movies. Uh, it would be, um, let's see. It would be Animal House. Yes. The Blues Brothers. Yes. We didn't do Trading Places. Oh, we yes, did. we did. Yes, we did we do did. Trading Places. Yes, one more. And we didn't do Spies Like Us. No, we did not. Um. Oh, Coming to America. Yes. Yeah. Nice, you got them nice. all. Okay, we had uh, one, two, three, four, five directors that have done three movies apiece. Can you, how many of them can you name? Just the directors. I'm not even going to ask you. Five directors that did that we've three movies three by movies. each of these directors. Five directors. I'll give you a hint. They're all dudes, but that's sort of you know, unfortunately, goes without saying. Um, Robert Zemeckis. Yes. How many of his movies can you name that we did? Uh, we did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. And Back to the Future. Yes. And, and Yancey had one from the '90s. I don't know what was it. Contact, 1997. Oh, very cool. But you got one. Can you get any of the other four that did three movies apiece? Mm. Give you a hint. One of them is one of my all-time favorite movie directors. Oh, you probably nominated, was it Fincher? 
Believe it or not, no. No? Oh, uh, I have nominated. Oh, who's the guy you made me watch The Man on Fire? There are brothers. There stuff. are two brothers on the list, both with three movies apiece, one of which is one of my all-time yes, favorite directors. Yes, you made me watch um, Ridley Scott and, uh, what's his name, uh, his brother. Tony Scott. Tony Scott. So they both they both did, we've yeah. reviewed three movies by each of the Scott brothers. How many oh. of those three and three can you name? Uh, Ridley Scott was Alien. Yes. Blade Runner. Yes. And he did a more recent one. One was, of my most rewatchable movies. Was it the one with the train that didn't nope. stop? That was Tony Scott. Unstoppable. Oh, Tony. Uh, I just talked about my rewatchable movie that you hated. Martian? Yes, The Martian. So that was a thing from Ridley Scott. Tony one. Scott, Unstoppable, you've already got. The yep. other two, I think you might get one of them, but probably not. Uh, Any guesses? Did, it was, oh, uh, Man on Fire? Yes. And then the one with uh, George Clooney was called um, no, Out of wasn't Sight. Tony Scott. No, it wasn't Tony Scott. With the train. That was uh, so. You got the train one. The other one was True Romance. Oh, True. And then Romance. our other two directors right. were, uh, the other three directors were Ivan Reitman, Stripes, Meatball, and Ghostbusters. Yep. Martin Scorsese, Raging Bolt, Taxi Driver, and Departed. Right. And Christopher Nolan, Interstellar, Memento, oh, yeah. and Dark Knight. Yep. All right. Let's move on to music. We don't. We don't do enough music on this show. No, we don't. Six times we have done music episodes on a single artist or band. Can you name five of the six? Oh, my God. We did Van Halen. Yes. We did Prince. Yes. Ooh, who else did we do? How many times did we do this? We did it six. I want five of the six. Six. Um, Van Halen, Prince. Oh, gosh, who else did we do? We didn't do ACDC. I wanted to do that one. ZZ Top. Yes. And how many more do I got to get? You need two more out of the three. There's three left. You need two of the three. I got to get five of these guys? Biggest artists ever. Like, these are three of literally the biggest artists ever. Well, we didn't do the Beatles, that's for sure. We got to do that at some point. I don't know. Who else did we do? Michael Jackson. Oh, that's right. We did Michael Jackson with you. Yeah. You too. Right. And Queen. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I forget. All right. So we did six episodes on a single artist. How many additional episodes have we done on music topics in general? Oh, I'll say uh, 15. Very close. 14 plus a six. So nice. 20 altogether. Nice. How many of those 14 can you name just off the top of your head? Uh, we did one hit wonders and yep. we did uh, rock songs of the 80s. Yep. Uh, we did heavy metal albums of the yep, 80s. just did that one, yep. Uh, what else did we do? We did, um, that's all I can think of right off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. Okay, yeah. we did. Best rock singers of all time. Oh, best yes. guitar solos of all time. Right. Best TV theme songs of all time. That one's sort of a cheat. It's not really mm, a music one. Right. Our favorite songs of all time. Movie yeah. songs, cover songs, music videos, best drummers. Oh, yeah, Favorite drummers. 80s rock songs. Heavy metal albums of the 80s, we just did. One Hit Wonders. Rap songs. Best movie soundtracks and favorite music videos. Very cool. Yeah. So those were our questions about our show. You did very good. You you were, had an incredible recall on a lot of the stuff. So <laughs> a lot of the stuff I didn't remember, let's, though. You know, we'll, we'll try and get another 100 episodes under our belt, and then you can quiz me on the top 300 episodes and put me under the hot seat. Well, like I say, but we made it through 200 episodes. 
We've entered the elite circle of shows like The Love Boat and Happy Days and Alice. Kiss my grits, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) Not one millennial will have a clue what the hell I was just talking about. Hint, it's from Alice. I think it's a hell of an accomplishment, to be honest with you. Yancey said something in his tribute that stuck out to me. He mentioned, like, not a lot of content creators sort of stick it out, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's actually a lot of hard work, you know. It's, it's been a labor of love, but podcasting has been a huge part of my life for, like, nine years now. And the ironic thing is I never continued to pursue a career in radio because the money was so crappy. <laughs> so instead, I ended up doing a podcast for free, <laughs> you know. But I think it just reinforces the fact that the creating this content, it's it's 100% about sort of that intrinsic reward that you get. You know, it's not about being rich. It's not about being famous. But it's about taking pride in something you love, you know. And I think that's something the world could use a little bit more of. So, I don't know. I'm I'm very proud to have reached the 200 episodes in doing this show. So, Derek, next time out, it's over to you to pick a movie for us to go back and review. And since we did our pop culture fantasy draft on the year 1985 last time out, it's up to you to nominate a film from that year. So this should be good. Oh, I can't wait. All what right. gem so, do you have for us to go back and watch from 1985? So, I mean, as we as we just established, 1985 is a movie that we have reviewed a ridiculous amount of movies for. So the ones you would think of first, Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, The Goonies, We've already done all those Did ones. Them all. Yep. So we've got to dig a little deeper. So I've narrowed it down to two picks. I've narrowed it down to either Real Genius with Val Kilmer, nice. which is one of my favorite. You love movies. that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. I've probably seen it 20 times. And the other one is Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox, nice. which I like, but I think Real Genius is going to hedge out. So I'm going to say let's do Real Genius from 1985 nice. with Val Kilmer. I think there's a lot to talk about. I think it's a great movie. I think it's got some interesting themes and some very funny, rewatchable, quotable moments. I I have a copy of this on VHS, which I'm gonna dig up so that I can watch it on video cassette between now and next week because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it on any of our streaming services. Yeah, I don't know if it's out there. Let's watch Real Genius from Val Kilmer, a very, very young Val Kilmer. And it's got the guy who was the villain in Die Hard and Ghostbusters as the villain in Real Genius, just rounding out the trio of villainous films. We're going to go with Real Genius. Let's next. watch that for now. All right. Real Genius next time out. So I'll tell you what, until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for sticking around for 200 episodes here on Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.